Wow. Wow. I, uh, I just have to soak this in, and I want to tell you, those of you that are local to Norfolk, to Hampton Roads, you are why we're here. You are why we're here. Um, I want you to know that uh, there are a lot of us on the, uh, the launch team that came down from LifePoint Church, which is headquartered right now in uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia. I say right now a lot like they're going to move next week, but I mean, <laughs> it's headquartered uh, right there in Fredericksburg where it started. And uh, I, just, um, I just want you to know that we moved down here, and it was very interesting because there's quite a few of us. Uh, that I think God called down here because we have a lot of veterans and a lot of defense contractors and stuff like that on the team. Uh, we have people from the Army, Navy, the Marine Corps, Urah. You know the Marines make some noise every time you say Marine. At least nobody's barking. We used to bark, but we'll leave that alone right now. Uh, that may not even be good anymore, but I don't know. But anyway, we've got the Marine Corps. We've, got, we've even got Coast Guard. We've got the Air Force. Uh, yes, we love the Coast Guard. Very grateful. And we have, listen to this. This is one of the coolest things that's happened since we moved down here. Aside from me having a grandchild. I don't know if I mentioned that before. But um, I, I do want to say we have one of our leaders uh, in our church. His son has been at the Air Force Academy in a, or what is which one is in Annapolis? That's Navy, excuse me. So, but he just got accepted to go be a fighter pilot. And so um, I'm like, wow, that's a that's a that's awesome. So we just want to say, but with all that being said, I just want to get to the point and say this. I think God had a team of people that he was just setting apart to send down here. To Hampton Roads. There's, there's over 100,000 people that are employed by either the, the, uh, the military or defense contractors, the shipyards and all of that in this area. So you just add to that all those family members and there's a lot of us here. And I just want you to know we're here for you. I also want to say that we, if you don't, if you haven't recognized, we, we're, we may be a little more excitable today than we might be normally, but not much. I just want you to know. When we come in on Sunday, we're, 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 pretty, we're a little bit loud, just want you to know, and uh, this, is, this is what it is. This is the flavor, but I also want to say we intentionally are aiming to reach young people because we, we know that God has deposited something to us that we're not going to let die with us. Does that make sense? We're not just going to take it with us and say, oh, we've got our blessings, we're going to make sure that the next generation gets to reap the rewards of having parents and grandparents with faith. Faith is a great gift, and we want to pass it on. And so I just want to say uh, we're here. We're, we're, we're moving because we want to reach people who need hope and who need help. And I don't know if you all know this. I don't know if you'll be uh, ready to admit it or not, but we all need hope and help. Amen. Now, I think our world may need that more now than ever before. And so today, I want you to know that we're here for you. We're here for you. LifePoint Church, Hampton Roads, we're here for you. But I, I, I hope you understand that the message today is not LifePoint Hampton Roads. The message is Jesus. The message is and always will be Jesus at LifePoint Hampton Roads. 
And our first message today is going to be entitled, Here for You. In John chapter 21, we're going to put some verses up on the screen, I believe. Do we have those on the screen? We're ready to roll. All right. Just want to, we're new at this, guys. So sometimes I've said things in recent weeks, and I'm like, oh, that's not happening today. So, but it's going to be happening today, all right? Uh, but I want to read a passage of Scripture to you. Let me tell you the context to it. Uh, Before I read it to you because you know the Bible is like anything else you're going to read if you just jump in somewhere You're missing what was before and you're missing like what's after Context is very valuable to understanding the scripture And so the context of where I'm going to read to you is from the New Testament There's a man there who's being led of the Lord whose name is John to write out his his account of who Jesus is what he did And his hope for the Gospel of John is that people would read or hear about what happened through Jesus and that they would believe in Jesus, that they would have faith in Jesus. And then he says that they would have eternal, abundant life. That was the hope of John as he's writing this. Interestingly, when he's writing this, uh, he tells the whole story. He He goes back from eternity into time, shows how how Jesus was not just a normal man, a prophet, a teacher. He was actually God in flesh. He proved it through his authoritative teaching. He proved it through healing people that other people couldn't heal. He, he proved it by casting out demons. He actually did something incredible. He, he actually laid his hands on a couple people, raised some people from the dead. And I will say that at the end of his life, he proved it. God the Father proved it by raising his son Jesus from the dead. And so what I want you to know is that we're picking up at the end of that story after the resurrection. We're we're picking up on the story. This is a little bit after Jesus has died on a cross for sins that he didn't commit, for crimes against God and humanity he didn't commit. He died on the cross for you. He died on a cross for me. And I want you to know that. But like I said, God did not leave him in a grave. Three days later, he rose from the grave And after that, he actually showed himself alive to individuals, and twice he showed himself alive to groups. The time we're getting ready to pick up here is the third time Jesus shows himself to some people. And let's start reading John chapter 21, verse 3. There's this group that's together. There's seven of them, and Simon Peter, one of the apostles, starts it out. He says, I'm going out to fish in John 21, 3. And the others say, well, we'll go with you. And so they went out, they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just insert right there, that's exactly why I don't fish. (laughs) Way too much patience required. Verse 4, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus, and he called out to them, friends, Haven't you any fish? He got the answer back from them that he knew he was going to get. No. And he said, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which, pause real quick. I love that that's in there. Guess who that would be? The guy writing it. Just like Moses in in one of his writings says, Moses, the humblest man alive. (laughs) Solomon, the wisest man alive. (laughs) 
And now we've got one of the disciples of Jesus saying, the one Jesus really loved. And here he is. This is John saying, the disciple Jesus really loved. He said to Peter, it's the Lord. I think light bulbs were going off in their minds anyway, because this happened to them about three, a little more than three years ago when Jesus started his ministry. And as soon, in verse 7, as Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around them, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals, and there were fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. He clearly didn't have enough, and he's wanting to feed them. So Simon Peter, he climbed back into the boat, and he dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net wasn't torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, he took the bread, and he gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. I want to tell you today that Jesus is here for you. He is here for you. Every single person under the sound of my voice, I really believe with all my heart, Jesus is here for you. And there are three ways in this passage that I believe I can still safely say today that Jesus is here for you. Number one, let me talk to you about this. Jesus is here to give you friendship. Friendship. I want you to look at this. And when you look at this passage of scripture, it's, it's really great to me that Jesus looks out at the disciples and he, the first word out of his mouth is friends. Friends. Haven't you any fish? I love that. You may be reading from another translation of scripture and they, they interpret it children. But I don't know about you, but either way, that's pretty good because either way, it's a term of affection. God himself calling you his child, that's pretty good. And when Jesus calls out to them, he says, friends, friends. And I'll tell you, he says that to all of them. But it's really important, and if you've picked up on it, there seems to be an interesting focus on Simon Peter here. And there's a reason for that, because Simon Peter, of all the disciples, had found himself in a really rough spot. How many of you have ever blown it royally? I'm going to tell you, Simon Peter, is the, is, he's the chief of that club. And I'm about to tell you why. Simon Peter is, I mean, I want you to know, understand that when Jesus was crucified, not too long before this, it wasn't just one or two that messed up. I want you to understand this first and foremost. It wasn't, we all know Judas betrayed him. That's why you don't have a lot of people in your life named Judas. Because no parents want to call their child Judas. You don't even have dogs named Judas, do you? I mean, nobody wants a Judas in their circle, but, but they all kind of, they didn't blow it that bad, but they all kind of blew it. All, none of them were really, if, if there were any of them that were really stand up through that, it was the women closest to Jesus. Just, ah, hold on, I, I wasn't eliciting that, I'm just being honest, that's the story. But the disciples, but there was one of the disciples in particular that really had a rough night, that night Jesus was was uh, crucified, and that, that was Simon Peter. 
In the, in the other gospel, one of the, four, one of the other three gospels, in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, it'll give you a little bit of background. But that, that night, Jesus had told Simon Peter, you're about to go into a pretty dark moment. I want you to look at this verse with me. Luke 22, verse 31, Jesus says to Simon, 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 Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Notice there, he's asked to sift all of you. I've prayed for you. And then at that, he says, Simon, I've prayed that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen the brothers. A little bit later in Luke chapter 22, I want you to know there, you know, he goes on and Peter replies. He says, of course, he says, Lord, I'm ready not only to go, I'm ready to go all the way with you. I'm, I'm going to go to prison. I'll die, I'll die for you if you want me to. And a little bit later, by the way, he does pull out a little scabbard, and he, you know, he's, he's ready to fight. He does prove that he's willing at first to go all the way. And there's another, another one of the Gospels, by the way, little nugget, not worth much. But in another one of the Gospels, he's like, these guys may let you down, not me. And that's, that's kind of the relationship they had. But Jesus told Simon Peter when he said, I'm willing to go all the way with you, Jesus, even to the death. Jesus says, even this night, I want you to know Know this, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows tomorrow morning. Then later um, in the chapter, same chapter, Luke chapter 22, uh, here's what ends up happening. They're out there, they're in a courtyard because Jesus has already been through the mock trial and he's already taken some beating. He's, he's out there and he's being mistreated, mishandled, mocked and accused. And I want you to know he's out there and Peter's on the other side of the courtyard. And as he's out there, he's warming his hands. And he has already, by the, with the verse I'm about to read you, he's already twice denied knowing Jesus. First time with a little teenage girl. And the second time with a man, Peter has already denied knowing Jesus. And then, here's a verse I want you to see. He says, Peter, another guy comes up and says, aren't you one of them? And he says, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Look at this. It says, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Can we say holy moly together? <laughs> How many of you know that was awkward? You have been three years with him. I mean, you've ate together. You've slept under the stars together. You've been there with him. You've received from him. All kinds of good stuff have hap has happened. And, and now he's told you it's going to happen. You're like, no, I'm going to go. I'm going with you, Jesus. And then the rooster crows. And you look across that courtyard. And Peter doesn't No more than he does it. He hears the rooster crow. Boom, they lock eyes. Wow. I'm going to tell you right now, I've had some awkward moments. I don't think I've ever had anything that would compare to that. And Peter remembered, verse uh, 60, Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him. And he said, before the rooster crows today, you're going to disown me three times. And Peter just walked out and he wept bitterly. And here's what I want you to know. Jesus had appeared to the disciples in groups two other times. He had appeared to individuals, but Jesus and Peter had had no alone time since the resurrection. At least not that we're aware of from the scriptures. And here's what I want you to know, I believe, about what's going on in Peter's heart. He's dying 
to have some interaction with Jesus. He's dying to have some interaction with Jesus. He wants to know. Because remember, Jesus said to him, hey, you're, this is going to happen. And when you've returned, I want you to strengthen the others. So Jesus has given him a little bit of hope. He threw him a, a line there to help him get through this awful mess. But the reality is he hasn't gotten through it at the point we're picking up. Are y'all still awake? Here's what I want you to know. He's sitting in that mess still. And that's why when, when Jesus says, hey, friends, throw the net on the other side and they catch those fish. That's why Peter, he's like, uh-oh, give me my cloak. I'm gone. He's going in there. He wants a few minutes alone with Jesus. Because he wants to clear the air. He wants to know what's going on. He wants to know his standing with Jesus. And here's what I want you to know. Jesus still offered him his friendship. Jesus could have stiff-armed him. Jesus could have said, I don't think so. I mean, you've had that happen to you. We've had that happen to us. But the reality is, that didn't happen. Jesus welcomed him in. Now, I've got two applications I want to just share with you very, very quickly here. Number one application, I, I believe that some of you have had a traumatic experience in your life here in Hampton Roads. You've had a traumatic experience in your life. Whether it's because of a family member, it might be because of a church. You've had something happen in your life that has made you go adrift. You've gone adrift and you've been trying to fish, you've been trying to do stuff in life and it's not working. And it's because you're out there and, and you're out there trying in your own strength, you're doing your own thing. And I, I have a word for you right now. You need to listen to the voice that Peter heard that morning say, friends, what you're doing isn't working. You're out there. You're out there doing your thing, and I, I, and I get it, but you know there's awkwardness in you. You know there's pain in you. You know what you're sitting in right now. You know it's uncomfortable, but listen to me. Here's what I want you to do. Do something else. Take your net, throw it on the other side. I'm going to tell you something. There's another way you've got to look at life and you need to approach some things. Because what you're doing, you know, you may, have, you may have plenty of money. You may have a great golf game. You may have a wonderful looking spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend. You may have a nice yacht you want to take me out on. You may have all kinds of things. You know, you may have all kinds of good things. You may have multiple degrees succeeding all over the place. And in your heart, you're wondering, why is my heart still not full? Why? And the reason for that is because there's only one thing that can fill your heart, and that is a relationship with Jesus. And there's a moment that's happened in your life that, you're, that you need to realize there's a voice that's calling you this morning. There's a voice, a voice from heaven that I believe wants to speak to you. It may not be yelling like I am right now. It may not be so loud and excited. But there's a, there's a voice speaking to you right now saying there is a different and a better way. And there's a second application that I want to share with you right now. And that is this. Some of you may be thinking, well, pastor, that's nice, but the trauma in my life, I caused. I caused the trauma. You don't know what I've done. I've, I've lost about everything. I mean, 
job, spouse, uh, money. You may be thinking, man, I'm about to go do a, a prison stint. You may be thinking, you don't, I just left divorce court two weeks ago. I, I just, I just, my parents are going to kill me. I'm in college and I've, I, I'm, I'm failing terribly. I just, there may be, it may be that you're thinking, I started following Jesus. I started following Jesus, but I wasn't good at it. I, I said I would follow Jesus, and then, but I, I mean, I, lust got the best of me. And you understand what I'm saying? It may be that you're thinking, man, I, I, I wanted to follow Jesus, but I, I just, I wasn't strong enough. And now when I pray, it's like I, I just can't get through. I can't get through. It's like I just feel guilty and I feel shameful. And I feel like I want to talk to God, but I feel like God's got nothing for me. Remember this. The guy that Jesus is going to end up talking to in this passage of Scripture that John is focusing on a lot is not just one who just quietly denied Jesus. It's the one who did it openly. It's, it, it's, it's, that, it, it's not Judas, but it is Peter. Now you may not, you, some of you may not feel this quite the same way, but I know what it's like myself to live with some guilt and some shame. Man, I've had times even in, as a pastor where I'm like, I'm a horrible Christian. I'm not talking about horrible pastor. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to be very honest here. I've been, I've been in a relationship with Jesus a long time. I'm like, how do, that, how do those things still, how do, like, lay on the horn behind me one time and watch? My hands rarely go up saying, hallelujah. You know, my... If my hands are going up, it, you won't need ASL interpretation, all right? You, like, I haven't done that in a little bit, but I want you to know I'm human like you, and there are times I've been like, man, I can't, I can't get through, and there have been times I'm like, God, you've got to, did you make a mistake? Like, I, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm so grateful to have had people around me to just remind me, hey. Hey, remember this. Every sin you would ever commit in your life was in the future when Jesus died on the cross. Every, every mistake you would ever make, every time you're ever going to blow it, no matter how little or how big you think it is, Jesus, 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 is calling to you saying, friend, it's a lie. It's a lie that I don't want you close. I want you to get out of the boat. I want you to come into the shore. And I want you to know I'm dying for you to come close to me once again. Make no mistake about your standing with him today. Some of you are thinking, wow, I've not been faithful to God, so God doesn't want anything from me. Please hear this. This isn't about your faithfulness. It's about his faithfulness. You are fickle as the day is long, and so am I. When it comes to those relationships in the Lord, when we, we're believing by faith, like we're trying to be faithful, we can, listen, we can, we can take the mask off for a minute. I, I don't preach with the mask on. 
And I, you, I invite you, take the mask off right now and understand this. We know we're all fickle. When God doesn't give us what we want, we've got the tendency to pout a little bit. And if it goes on too long, we feel like we've drifted. Even then, I want you to know, Jesus is saying, I am still right here on the shore calling to you. Come home. I want to feed you. I want to talk to you. Jesus offers you friendship. Jesus offers you friendship. It's a lie. That voice in your head that says you can't come close to Jesus. You've drifted and you're too far. It's a lie. Well, I'm going to prison. Well, be, be a pastor in cell block D and we'll help you out. They need pastors. They need ministers in there. You're not too far. He'll walk right in there with you. And there's no prison wall that can keep him out. There's no guard that can keep him out. I'm going to tell you, he knows how to get in on the innermost part of a prison. But I, I, I just want you to know you have a friend in Jesus that isn't relying on your faithfulness. Now hear me, does he want our faithfulness? Of course he does. But it's a faithfulness not based on religion. I, I should, I ought, I must. It's a religion based on relationship. It says, I am here for you. Y'all with me so far? Yeah. In my time left, let me just say two more quick things. Number one, he doesn't just offer friendship. He also offers you, and he offers me food. And here's what I mean. Now, you know, uh, in, in the story, he, he starts cooking up some uh, fish and chips, right? You know that. <laughs> He says, bring some of the fish you've just caught, and, and then they get in there and they have some breakfast in, in John 21.10. He says that. He says, as a matter of fact, I know you fishermen eat a lot, and so you can go ahead and put that up there if you want. Uh, I know you fishermen eat a lot, and so I, I, I think we're going to need some more. So let's sit around and eat for a while. I want to feed you. They've been out there all night. You know they're hungry. Anybody ever been hangry? How many of you think fishermen that have been out all night and caught nothing might be a little hangry? Jesus had some Snickers bars or something over on the shore. There was nothing like that. It's like, come on in and bring some more fish because we're going we're gonna to hang out here for a while. He's going to feed their body. He's also going to feed their soul. And I just want to say to you today, some of you... Uh, you, you, you used to go to church maybe and, and you just found that it just didn't really work for you. It's kind of boring. You tried to read the Bible, kind of confusing. I just want to tell you, the Bible is absolutely, uh, without a doubt, at certain places, a little confusing. But there's plenty of help. There's, there's all kinds of ways you can get help. You might have given up a little too soon. It's time for you to just come on back and find some people to help you. There are people who have been doing this a long time, would love to help you grow strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And Jesus wants to help you do that. I also want to say for those of you who think that the Bible is boring, you're not reading the same Bible I am. It is anything but boring. So I just want to say, try again. And maybe you ought to get in, the, in a different place and find some people who can help it not be boring for you. And, and here's what I would say to you. It's like going to a, a restaurant or going somewhere to eat. I went to a restaurant in a Brazilian steakhouse. 
in New York City. A friend of mine, I go to this Brazilian steakhouse with him. He's like, Ed, I, you got you to gotta come to this place with me. We go in there. It's in Midtown, and it is super expensive. Glad he was paying. And we go in there. <laughs> And, he's, and I go up there, and they've got this big bar with all the, you know, all the veggies, and they've got potato salad and rice and the beans and all this stuff. And I go up there, and I'm like, man, I'm getting some rice and some beans. I love some rice and some beans. And I, some, oh, I got some salad. I had some alfalfa sprouts. Not Brussels sprouts. They'll kill you. But I got the <laughs> alfalfa sprouts right there. And they'll kill everybody around you. But anyway, I'm going to... The, the alfalfa sprouts, I got all of that, and it, I was like, I'm, I'm getting ready to walk back. And, he, and my friend, who's a little, quite a bit larger than me, comes over, and he takes the plate from me, and he says, no, put that down, Ed. Just puts it down. I'm like, what are you, you, you don't take my food? And he's like, you don't want that. It's a Brazilian steakhouse. I'm like, okay, all right, here we go. He's like, we, we've got a place back here. He takes me to the place we're sitting. It's back by the kitchen door. How many of you know normally when you go to a restaurant, you don't want to be by the kitchen door. It's loud, obnoxious, nobody's paying attention. In a Brazilian steakhouse in midtown Manhattan, that was the place to be. And here's why. They had a little thing you put on your table, and that indicates if you want more meat. Meat is one of the main food groups. You all know that, right? So... I'm like, dang, and, and they come out like every few minutes, that door swings open, and they're walking out there, and my buddy, who's got experience, he's a veteran eater at this Brazilian steakhouse, <laughs> he's, like, he's like, Ed, this is the place to be, and this is why you don't want that stuff over there, you want the meat, and man, I got to tell you, I'm so glad I was with him, I ate so much meat, it was one of those, it's like Thanksgiving, you know, you just sweat afterwards. Just sweat. It was awful and glorious at the same time. Some of you all have been around people and been in churches that have let the Bible be boring to you. Can I just say I'm sorry? The Bible is not boring and God is not boring. Um, go somewhere else. Find somebody that can help you learn the Bible. I'm not telling you, I, I say that with the right spirit. I hope you hear my heart. I'm not saying leave your church. What I am saying is get some help. Understanding the word of God. Jesus wants to feed you. And the third thing, let, let me just say that about the food, it takes a little while. If you're a new believer, the, the same apostle Peter writes later on, after a couple decades later, he talks about start out like newborn babes. You drink drinking milk. You can't understand much, but you understand a little bit. And then as you grow, then you can take in the meat. And that's what I think Jesus wants to say to everybody in the room. Hey, hey, let's go on this journey. I'm going to give you food. We'll start out with some milk, but we're going to progress till we get to the glorious stuff called meat. Lots of meat. I know PETA has a headquarters here. If you work with PETA, I'm sorry. Pray for me. I'm not a vegetarian. I'm a, I'm a full-on carnivore. All right, so I don't, I don't make fun of you. I'm just different. Last thing I want to say, Jesus offers friendship and he offers food. He offers you a purposeful future, and I need, to, I need to get to this real quick. There's a conversation Jesus has with Simon Peter right after this uh, where he ends up saying to Simon Peter, 
um, Simon, Simon Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I do. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Ask him a second time, do you love me? Yeah. Tend to my flock. Take care of the sheep. And then a third time, do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep. Now, I want you guys to get this. Here's what I want you to get. In the middle of all this mess, Peter's walking into this. He's in the mess mentality. And Jesus is saying, I've already moved on from that. Oh, you're still there. I don't want you there. It's time for us to move forward. Here's what I, here's what I, I feel like in my heart is important to communicate with, with you. Jesus has a purposeful future for every person in this room. Whether you're young or whether you're middle-aged or whether you're more experienced in life, you have a future available to you through Jesus. If you'll just believe his word. I, I accepted the Lord when I was a young man and I got to tell you, I, I have uh, been so blessed to be able to serve him in the capacities that I, I have. I, you're looking at somebody that in high school, uh, I, my guidance counselor told me I need to just find a trade. Nothing wrong with trades, but she was looking at me like you are. She told me point blank, I don't think college is really for you. I'm like, thanks for the confidence. Based on what she was seeing, she was right. Fast forward several years later, the Lord gets hold of my heart. My life was forever changed. I never, ever saw myself in ministry, but I stand to testify to you right now that like nearly 30 years later, here's the reality of my life. Because of my faith journey with Jesus, I've had my family go from five to thousands. I've got friends all over the planet. I've, I've, I went from being a knucklehead. I mean, I was a, I was a Marine that, you know, there's a lot of self-destructive you know, tendencies that followed me after the Marine Corps. And then I was around the wrong crowd, you all know. I'm, I wasn't the wrong crowd. I was around the wrong crowd. And, you know, they made me make some bad decisions. I was wrong place, wrong time. You all know. But I, I'm a person that can tell you Jesus changed my life. Why I'm doing what I'm doing at my age is because I believe with all my heart that Jesus has a future for you. And, and, and in case you're questioning, would Jesus still have a future for me? Yes. How do I know it? Because you've got breath in your lungs and you can hear my voice. Let me close with this one thought. In Granby High School, we love, we have grown to love this Granby community. We pray for you guys every single day. And I'm going to tell you, the Granby High School, they said we end, we end up getting a lot of students from around the area that end up not being uh, taken in by other schools. I was told that by one of the, the assistant principals here, but we see that as a gift. Because we get to show them a better way. We get the opportunity. They may not take it, but we get the opportunity to do that. And here's what I want you all to know.
the rest of the world may not see the potential in you. But I see it because I know God made you on purpose with a purpose. And I don't know what it is God's put in you, but I would love to see God bring it out. And I would love to see you set that in motion to make a difference in this world. And I know this much. If he can use me, he can absolutely, positively use every single one of you. Don't you dare doubt it. I just want you to know the difference between where you are right now and the where, I think, where I think you could be with the blessing of God is just the difference in prayer. So I'm going to invite you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes. Would you pray a prayer with me? If you've never given the Lord Jesus Christ your heart, I want you to know what he's done for me, he can do for you. He can forgive your sin. He can give you a better life. He doesn't promise to make it easy. He just promises to be with you. And then he gives you a promise of eternity with him in heaven. So today, I'm going to give you the opportunity to accept Jesus. If you're a person who just drifted a little bit, you were a believer, but you've drifted, I want you to take this opportunity to just come home. But if you've never given your heart to Jesus, it's as simple as A, B, C. In your heart, you pray, and you mean it, and he'll hear your prayer and will come back into your heart or come to your heart and give you eternal and abundant life. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. And I thank you that because of Jesus and his love demonstrated to the world, I can believe that you love me. Please forgive me, Lord. I give you my heart. Send your spirit into my life and help me to live for you from this moment on. Thank you, Jesus. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to ask you a question. Is there anybody in the room today that would say, Pastor, I just gave my heart to Jesus for the first time. I just gave my heart to Jesus for the first time. Would you just raise your hand real high if you just prayed and gave your heart to Jesus? Raise your hand real high. And, and if you don't mind, raise your hand till I, till I uh, can see it. Just raise your hand real high if you just gave your heart to Jesus. Would you look at me if you gave your heart to Jesus? Nobody else looking around, but if you just gave your heart to Jesus, just raise your hand and look at me, please. I promise you, I will not call you out. I'm going to draw no attention to you. It's me and you in the room right now because I believe Jesus wants to give you new life. And if you just prayed that, I want to help celebrate that. Would you just raise your hand and look at me? Amen. Amen. Anybody else? If it were only one, I want you to know my day has been made. And they're celebrating in heaven. Father, we thank you for this first day at LifePoint Church, Hampton Roads. We give you glory, honor, and praise for all that you've done. This is your church. And we thank you that someone has given their heart to Jesus today. They're celebrating in heaven. And Lord, we're going to join them here on the earth. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.